Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, J-Dub. I'm excited to be back here. I'm going to talk a little bit about college football realignment. And uh, also going to talk a little bit about what's going on, um, just why you should be doing college fantasy football, and uh, just giving a little pitch there. So I'm excited for this. Bring the energy. Let's go. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Back on the flip side, this show is going to be all about college football and specifically just talking about and uh, well, one, first and foremost, what's going on in college sports, the realignment, the kind of complete, let, let me just say shit show that's going on right now. Um, and then I'm going to parlay it into just college fantasy um, football and just just talk a little bit at a high level why I think it's it's fun it's a great compliment to anyone who's a big into regular fantasy um, it's a nice diversion gives you something to do on Saturdays uh, and it's just you know generally it's good stuff so highly recommend playing um, college fantasy football so let's start though at the top here realignment this stuff started in earnest you know ten. Well, actually, more than 10 years ago, but but roughly 10, 12 years ago um, with some of the transitions we saw both with the Big Ten. It uh, started in the 70s, really, if you want to go further back with the collapse of the, the Southwestern Conference. But look, it, I'm not blaming anybody, and I'm not going to rail on this realignment. I think all of these people made their own bed. Um, like, if you want to go to the detail of it, you know, this it's sad to see Pac-12, one of the 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 longest running, most successful in terms of national championships across all sports, arguably the best football, college football program uh, in the University of Southern California, and undisputedly the best basketball program in University of California, Los Angeles, Um, and just tremendous across all sports, um, particularly Olympic sports, tons of national championships. But look, they're part of this. They had the chance to to really aggregate a couple of the major schools, big sports players in Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, University of Texas, um, 10, 12 years ago, and potentially even add a few more, whether it's Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, and create a super conference. Probably would have been the first super conference at that time. It would have been 16 teams. You would have had the dominant schools in Oklahoma, in Texas, uh, along with the schools you already had, which was Colorado, Utah, Washington, uh, Arizona, um, Oregon, and then obviously in California with with UCLA, USC, Cal, and Stanford. So you would have had a really a lockdown the entire West Coast in Texas. Um, and you know, by all measures, they they laughed at it or they they thumbed their noses at it. When I say they, I mean the college presidents who didn't feel like some of those schools were up to snuff. There's a lot of different things out there, but the reality is, um, due to various reasons, potentially Texas wanted a greater share. Whatever it may have been, it it caused a fissure and it didn't happen. And so they, they kind of grew a little bit. They added Utah and Colorado, but they set in motion kind of uh, a destabilization um, and a force throughout all these other conferences that led to quite a bit of other expansion. I think the Pac-12 always thought they were uh, insulated by being far west coast and having really strong population center. I mean, just having those four schools in California, you had a very dominant force 
um, with with two great academic institutions that were really good in all sports, with the exception really of men's basketball and men's football. Although competitive in football, in particular, in particular the last ten years, Stanford's been incredibly strong. And then UCLA and USC, which are just dominant schools in the Southern California region um, and have been around forever, really strong in Olympic sports, good in these other things as well. So really nice blend, quite frankly. Um, And uh, they didn't capitalize. And they all of their revenue-generating activities around football didn't materialize. The uh, the conference itself has suffered the last five six years in terms of you know playing on the on the biggest stage. Um, they've had they've had a, a couple swipes at it, but just weren't able to kind of get through. No championships, and quite frankly, there's there's a you know somewhat of an apathy on the West Coast um, for some of these schools. And I would even argue USC UCLA are just as apathetic. Those schools, if they're middle of the pack. Uh, no pun intended, you know, average teams, even like above average, they struggle to draw. They're not drawn for most games. Um, the TV viewership's not uh, outstanding. So the reality is they have nothing, nothing to blame but themselves. And um, it's sad state. I think the hard thing, and you know, like everyone's talking about this, so I'm not going to belabor this point. But the truth is, like, there's a lot of student athletes and the vast, vast majority of them do not play college football or men's basketball and these kids now are in a tough spot they're gonna have to travel in in usually less than ideal conditions because they just don't have the funding you know the rowing team or the uh, soccer team or whatever it may be Um, they just don't have the funding to support like all these cross-country trips and staying at like decent facilities so they're gonna be traveling longer distances be further away from class and um, classes and studying being pulled away. And there's just more of a mockery of this notion of actually being student athletes. And we could, I think we could all admit that. I, I would hope that, you know, the commissioner of the big, the big 10 or whatever, whatever they're going to call themselves now. Um, I think it's the big 18 or big six. Yeah. Big 18, big, big, whatever it may be. Um, the big 12, which I now believe is the big 14 um, or SEC, which is the 16, um, ACC now may expand to 17 members, um, 16 football playing members when you exclude Notre Dame, um, but but 17 total members. Um, and I, by the way, that's a that's assuming they add in SMU, Stanford, and Cal, which is the rumors that they will they will potentially do that. Who knows? It's just a mockery, though, that you've now got teams in Stanford, Cal, who have to travel cross country, and you have all of the ACC schools that are along the eastern seaboard who have to travel west so long trips um big 10 now is uh again from new york and rutgers and a bunch of other uh, schools uh maryland all the way to southern california and stretching up to the 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 very top of the northwest in um, seattle washington with university of washington and um, eugene oregon with the uh with the ducks that's just a wide span and it's gonna be hard for these student athletes and it's just sad that, you know, one sport that's, by the way, really hot and popular and maybe, you know, maybe will always be the dominant TV sport, um, you know, hence the, the next topic I'm going to get to in here in a second. Uh, but it's it they're directing all decisions. What I wish could happen is these conferences in their original incarnations 
with their regional alliances could stay as such. And football broke out and was like basically a national, let's call it 45 to 50 schools that played. And maybe they had regional alliances and they got TV specific TV contracts that funded their programs. And it's really what it focused on because let's be honest, the TV contracts, they don't care about fencing. They don't care that maybe they care about baseball a little bit. Um, they care about basketball, although basketball revenue, again, is a little bit separate. NCAA tournaments run by the NCA, So a lot of the revenue is actually centralized anyways. Um, so maybe they care about that. And they obviously it's a, you know, it's a, it's a TV based sport. Um, women's basketball is kind of come on the come, but most of these sports don't generate any uh, TV revenue. It's basic content that's filling some space, but it's not something that's really driving incremental dollars. And so it'd be nice in a real world that those things were, um, you know, we're just separated and you can have these regional things. And we, we really did support the student athletes in most of these sports, by the way, you know, that old NCAA commercial, most student, uh, most athletes, college athletes don't play professional sport. It's true of football too, by the vast, vast majority do not go into play professional. Um, and so therefore school is school matters and education matters and you can say what you want, but uh, the truth is that the vast majority need their education. And, um, you know, now with these changes, they're getting further away from that, which is unfortunate. So, okay, enough of that. I'm not trying to riff. I'm not even trying to make a, you know, recommendation of how that ends up. I just, I just want to say, I think it sucks. Um, not blaming anybody. I get it. I understand why. Uh, I, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's, you know, I don't love it. Um, and I think it, I think it sucks. So that aside, so college fantasy football, right? This is something that is, I think, gaining in popularity, although I don't see a lot of content out there. I'm going to do a series of a couple podcasts before the season kicks off. Um, I don't know how much I'll do it in season, but I want to talk about some of the top players in the league. So I'll do a, I'll do a, a session there with another person um, that would play actually the commissioner of my, my, my college fantasy league. Um, and then I want to do one around kind of sleepers, newcomers, like hot freshmen, like the, who are the impact young four or five star guys, guys are getting hype in, in camp that you should be aware of. Um, I think it's fun. I don't take it. We don't take it too seriously. I actually started this league as a precursor to our 35 year old uh, fantasy league. I know that dates me a little bit, but I did start this when I was basically in seventh grade. Um, and I started the college one in 2008. And it's been fun. Again, it's a great way to you throw on some games on Saturday. I'm not a diehard. I'm not watching every game, not paying attention to everything. But with, with services like Fantrax and, and others out there, you can run a college fantasy league with, with a minimal amount of effort. So, um, you know, why, so why do it? Look, you know, it's, if you're looking, if you've got a lot of time on your hands and you just love college sports and you're a fantasy lover, it's kind of a no brainer. It really brings you in. Um, you know, that's number one. Number two, if you're really into fantasy in general or you're just really into college sports, it takes your your interest level to the next level. I, I think if you're, it really helps me on the pro fantasy side. I would say um, most of the people I play pro fantasy with don't play college. And I've got a huge advantage in that I kind of seen these guys play. I know their productivity. I know who was or wasn't produ productive. Um, I end up watching a little bit more, particularly of the guys that I know are, are high performers. I'm aware of you know, who the top running backs are. Um, and you can set it up so that it's it's a little bit more um, manageable. So I'm a huge fan. Um, here's the key thing, though. I think you want to set it up in such a way that 
provide some guardrails. So we, when we started this league, we did only the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Pac-10. Um, that's when we started before the Pac-12. Um, over the years, we added the ACC, and we've added some of the independents. So Notre Dame is part of, I think Notre Dame might be the only independent we've added. Um, we recently added Oklahoma and Texas as well in preparation for them moving over to the SEC. We have never added the Big 12, and why, you may ask? Well, pretty simple from my standpoint. Big 12 historically didn't play defense. The scores were out of control. So it was almost an arbitrage effort where you could just get any player in the Big 12 at receiver, quarterback, and you know it's just going to run up huge stats it was kind of it was wasting players like if you were in the big 10 or pac 12 those players just you know it was almost like they they, they were sort of discounts because they were playing in a, in a conference that actually produced a lot of pros and you can look at this the nfl players produced from pac 12 the big 10 and obviously clearly the sec which is the the, the far and away the leader uh far outpace particularly on the defensive side of the ball the um the Big 12. So we have never added the Big 12. There's some talk about doing that now, especially now that the Pac-12 is completely imploded and four of those teams starting next year will be in the Big 12. Um, but I, you know, who knows? We, we may or may not do it. What makes it fun, though, is um, it's just a it's just a nice way to, as I mentioned at the top, you know, watch those games and get involved. It's a great uh, kind of, like again, I guess you can call it scouting, scouting for your pro team. Um, and if you like college football, which I've historically, I'm not the biggest college football fan. I never was huge. Um, I've gone to some Pac-12 games because they're, they're local and I, I, I particularly root for a Pac-12 school or what used to be a Pac-12 school since it's the last year. Um, I guess I got to really enjoy this last year of a uh, Pac-12 play. Come on. Everyone, let's go out and support the Pac-12 games. Um, no, but in, in all honesty, it's just great. It's great knowing that the players are having a little bit more juice, a little bit more interest on individual players and their performance. Uh, and it, it's you know it's it's been a fun way to to aggregate and connect to a, a fill, relatively newer group of of folks. Um, and we do find uh, you know again I I don't know how many of these guys play pro fantasy. I do find that uh, majority of the people playing in my college fantasy league do not play with me in my pro fantasy league. And I don't even know if they do play in a fantasy league. In fact, um, I know them all. They're all connected through the same core group. And I would say the core group that started this were part of the, fan the pro fantasy. Um, but it's extended out to college friends of theirs, people around the country. Um, and a large number of them do not play in the, the pro fantasy league. So, so it's a nice mix of people. Um, I'm trying to think rules. We keep it really simple. Uh, we we have a half point PPR, so I guess that's not crazy simple. Um, we have um, you know general scoring. You know what? Point one per yard. Um, point three four yard. Uh, uh, sorry, one point per uh, or point one point per point three four passing yards or point zero three four whatever. Basically, one point for every thirty, roughly thirty yards passing, and one point for every ten yards rushing and receiving. Um, and then uh, six points for a touchdown, four points for a touchdown pass. Obviously, the running quarterback dual threats are, are very high value because they, they score a disproportionate amount. Um, college has become so spread offense oriented that 10 years ago, that was a huge advantage. Now, most quarterbacks run a little bit or run a lot, depending on them. Um, I think where the nuances are, we've really adopted a college lexicon. So, for example, 
Um, you we don't have keepers per se, but we have two scholarships that you get to apply to people who are on a roster the previous year. Um, and then you have uh, what we call transfers, so players that are at the end of the the scholarship period, um, players that are left out that were on rosters from the previous year. You can offer a transfer to, and there's a selection order based on previous year's finish. Um, and then there's also a red shirt, or basically a um, a kind of like yeah red shirt position. So every year you want to get a freshman, someone who's high value, or maybe a sophomore, and you 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 put them on a on the kind of red shirt space. Um, but you can't play them. So effectively, you go in each year with roughly three to four players already locked and loaded, um, and then you're then you go into the draft, and we do a, a, a draft on Fantrax. Fantrax manages all this for us, and even the selection order, so you can trade draft picks during the season. Um, so it's it's pretty seamless. It's uh, there's definitely work involved, and the commissioner who I'll have on on podcast shortly, a couple of days. Um, we'll, t- we'll can talk about that. It's not it's not insignificant, but it's worth it. So that's it. I just wanted to riff, talk about, and hype up college fantasy. You're going to hear uh, next couple episodes. We'll we'll deep dive a little bit more on players you should be thinking about. I'll talk about some teams that are going to surprise. Uh, things you know make make some predictions but we've gone through our whole draft um you know we've we've got a pretty good handle on who the players are coming back uh different changes in camps you know they're still wide open by the way pretty big jobs like if you're into college fantasy or just college football in general ohio state has not picked their starting quarterback they've got down to two guys um alabama's got three guys uh, they're they're debating about and actually technically four but one sounds like he's been completely demoted and likely i guess would end up transfer but a true freshman is still in the the hunt and if you read the the comments from saban um his name is dylan lonergram lonergam i think um he really likes him so if he doesn't start this year good chance he starts next year um, there's a lot. I'm trying to think of some other big jobs, but those are the probably the two biggest, right? You're talking about two of the top four or five programs in the country, and you've got um, key guys there. Uh, Branson Robinson, many of you probably don't know him, five-star running back from uh, from last year's recruiting class, played a little bit, looked really good for University of Georgia. Um, he, uh, I think he tore his Achilles, I believe. Um, so he's out for the season. That was news just in the last day. You know, not a huge deal. Georgia has so much talent. They rotate a bunch of backs. Not a big deal. But we'll talk a lot about that stuff. If you're interested in it, great. If not, you can skip those episodes. But um, on that note, I really appreciate uh, you listening. Um, please subscribe if, you, uh, if you're interested, um, you like it. Um, you know, we really talk about uh, this is kind of opinionated. College football, NBA, NFL, but really a core bent on fantasy. Um, so we'll sprinkle in a few other topics, but that's about it. Um, and you can find this on all major podcasts. Obviously, if you're listening to it, you you found it already. So please subscribe. And if you like what you hear, write a review. Uh, we, we survive off that. So thank you on that note. Have a good one. Let's go. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. I said, Uptown, funk you up.